Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments that aims to keep you on the right side of the betting ledger. Rod Murray's my name and alongside my co-host John Evans, I help to bring you a selection of the best value bets available on the great game of golf across the world's professional tours each and every week. There's a little bit of extra buzz around the game this week, as there always is, when the legend that is Tiger Woods is teeing up. He prepares to make his 2020 debut at Torrey Pines in California, Friday our time. Fair chance he won't appear in JE's betting selections, to be fair, but I'm sure that JE, like me, as a dedicated fan and lover of the game, will be watching intently as Wood plays because it's always something special. To witness the European Tours in the desert for the Dubai tournament, and the LPGA plays its first full field event for the season in Florida, and JE will no doubt have some interesting names to look at in all of those. Well, I've mentioned his name three times, and like Lucifer, that's usually enough to conjure him up. So let's see if he's on the line. JE, are you with me? Well, I've had uh, three relocations, and I've had to uh, reboot Skype. I've had a few issues getting to you, Rod, but I'm here. Nothing like podcasting for authenticity, Jay. This is the real world. It's not radio, and this proves that it is. No studio for me this week or you. I'll explain why shortly. But before that, we need to do some homework, starting with a hat tip to our partner in this endeavor, Winning Edge Investments, industry leaders in betting advice and tips across multiple sports and horse racing. Now, normally at this point, we sing the praises of one or other of the uh, Winning Edge tipsters. And if they've had a particularly successful day or week, we give that a mention. But this week, it's a bit different because Winning Edge is having a giveaway. The company wants to know if the products and service they're providing and the way they're providing them are as good as they can be. And that makes sense, Jay. doesn't every now and then ask your customers if what you're doing is what they want? Well, I think um, they've got a special little bonus for doing so. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a survey. The one thing I've been very impressed with the whole organisation is the way that it not sort of reinvents itself, but re-examines its mm-hmm. methods to make certain that it's continually improving the, the delivery and the and, and the performance of each of its um, each of its tipsters. It's 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 not just pin the tail on the donkey. I can assure you of that. Yeah, indeed. I'm not sure who the philosopher was, Jay, but to go a bit highbrow, one of my favourite sayings is a life unexamined is a life not worth living. And I think that fits neatly into that. You're quite right. There is a little bit of an incentive to help encourage people to help out Winning Edge in their endeavours here. They're giving away seven free monthly subscriptions. And the value of that is $2,000. That's right. You can get access to one of the Winning Edge team's proven successful staking plans just for answering a few simple questions. Go to the link in the show notes below. Uh, Take two minutes out of your day and you could end up well, in front now, of course, one of the regular tipping services that you could choose to take should you be one of the winners would be the golf one put together by my co-host. But frankly, Jay, that'd be mad as considering the discount you'll already get just for being a podcast listener. 25% off for the life of the subscription if you sign up using the promo code GOLF25. That brings the cost down from $150 a month to $112.50. And if you sign up for three or 12 months, it also comes with a profit guarantee. Rod, there's something nice about the idea of us paying you to be a subscriber. <laughs> there is an appeal to it, I've got to say. I'm not sure as a business plan how many accountants would sign off on that, but it certainly has its appeal. I do encourage people to go and sign up because you're exactly right. I've been, I too am impressed with the constant tweaking and uh, and dedication to giving customers exactly what they want at Winning Edge is quite impressive. I'm not just saying that because they pay me, but I'm partly saying it because they pay me, so... You can make of that. <laughs> Work out the percentages yourself. Jay, enough of that nonsense. Let's talk golf. Let's start with a wrap-up from last week. And how did we, or if it wasn't a good week, you 
go last week? Yeah, well, I had a, <laughs> uh, going along um, swimmingly, not um, not finding the winner of any of the events, but uh, but managing the account reasonably. I had uh, basically broke square on the plus on the T20s of the uh, European Tour, and on the US Tour, I was going along quietly with. Um, Brendan Todd, who, who many will realise has uh, had a had a had a birthday the last month. He's finished. He's won twice, and he's finished fifth and and, and uh, high up in the in the uh, tournament of champions, and is in great form. And so I had him. I thought he was unbelievable odds at four dollars twenty to be in the top twenty last week, and I whipped him in for for uh, double the amount we normally bet. And he was going along quietly, uh, not going to win unfortunately, but he was he was going to run thirteenth with two holes to play. And at this time of the night, I decided to go to bed. You know, <laughs> the fatal error, Jay. Go out of bed and thinking that I was pretty, pretty, pretty smart rooster. I was going to have no, I was going to break square on the top, top 20 bets. Anyway, I woke up in the morning, I had a look at the thing. I, I couldn't find him. I thought, what's going on here? And I, had, I finally found him. He finished double bogey, birdie, par, double bogey, double bogey to miss. Oh, so the sad story um, that's not variance, that's tragedy. So <laughs> that's we, we, we that's a, deliberate. We had a disaster week last week, and let's hope that, um, like the last two winners of the of the tournaments, we were interesting last week. Um, Andrew Landry hadn't made a cut for six tournaments, and he won. He came out of blue and won, and the and, and so did uh, so. That was true of the other tournament winners. So Lee Westwood is uh, a thousand let's years I, old. Let's, let's, hope, let's hope that I've gone from the. Um, from the from the from the the outhouse to the to the to the penthouse. More than any other sport, you can see these massive swings in form from the player, can't you? I mean, the nature of the game lends itself to, and at that level especially, and you could speak to this, I'm sure, Je, as a good player. Sometimes it takes one swing on the driving range on Wednesday afternoon, and a player goes, "Oh, that's it," and once they've got that they're completely freed up to just play golf the way they know they can. It's quite remarkable how it can happen, isn't it? Well, there's something interesting is um, Brendan Todd went to Brad Hughes about uh, six months or, or maybe nine months ago, and Brad Hughes did a fantastic job of recovering a guy who had the yips with his long clubs, the drivers and his long irons, and got into the position where he could win twice and all of a sudden get into the top 60 or 70 in the world from, from well back in the 2000s. And my f- concern is that that finish will undo a lot of good work. And, and it'll be it'll be very interesting to see Brendan Tyler in the next couple of weeks whether or not that's shattered mm. what is sometimes a fragile mm. growth in confidence. I hope it, I hope it, I hope it isn't. And, and there might well be different reasons for why he did it. I mean, he might have taken a risk and it didn't come off. But uh, my concern was that given the strength of his performance in the last month, that was a very strange aberration. Yeah, indeed. Look, at least on the upside, he can look back and know that the physical has been essentially fixed, for want of a better term, which I think is what Brad's done a terrific which is what gives you the confidence. There's two things you cannot play golf without, J.E. One's a ball, and the other one's confidence. With no confidence, you yeah. just can't play, can you? At any level. Forget about yeah. whether it's the PGA Tour or at the local. If you've got no confidence, don't bother going out, because uh, uh, the game will tear you up. Um, 
speaking of golf, JE, and club golf and its place, the reason I'm not in the studio this week is because I'm down at the South Coast. I'm doing a bit of freelance work for Golf New South Wales. Anybody who's been following along will know about the devastating bushfires that we've had all around Australia, but this particular part of New South Wales has been especially hard hit. They've lost life down here. They've lost a lot of property. And I've got to say, JE, it's it's a confronting thing to drive out of Nowra. Anybody who's driven the South Coast will know that you sort of emerge from Nowra and that's the road that opens up to the South Coast and the the scorched earth that you're confronted with is just staggering. The road signs, the big blue and white road signs that sort of point you to the major towns that are off to the left of the Prince's Highway. The paint has melted, J.E., from the heat. And what it yeah. looks like is, is, is as though somebody has painted the signs with liquid paper and it's all sort of dripped before it dried. It's got that effect to it. It's just awful. And so all of the golf courses down here, thankfully, the courses themselves escaped damage from the fires. Uh, but you've got a series of ghost towns at a time of year where these people really rely on tourism for the bulk of their income for the whole year. And I've been down here talking to a lot of the managers. And look, I think people generally, we all pat ourselves on the back as Australians and say we're resilient. I think the truth is that most people are pretty resilient. There's not much they can do. They've just got to get on with it. And the, the attitude's terrific. But there's a there's a real feel and a vibe, J.E., that um, you know things are... Things are not great for a real lot of people down here. And if there's golfers out there listening, if you do love your golf, there are some fabulous golf courses down here. I'm staying at Naruma, just across the road from what would probably be one of the most spectacular golf courses in Australia. The, the six-hole loop on top of the clip outside the clubhouse at Naruma is frankly as good as golf gets. Um, it's, I'm sure you've been down here, Jay, and you would have seen. Molly Mook has got a fantastic, two fantastic golf courses, a very laid-back course, the Beachside Nine, and uh, a big member's 18-hole course at the top of the hill called Hilltop, because we're creative like that in Australia, the, uh, the Hilltop Club. And I've been to Bermagui, where I'd never been before, um, which is, just looks like a delightful... It's a wonderful mix of seaside golf and sort of country Australian golf, just really beautiful, and it's just... It's uh, it's kind of hard. You, you you talk to people, and they, they, you know, you know they're doing it tough. And what's worse, they've got a fear about it remaining that way for some time to come. So, any golfers who are listening, and if you really do love your golf, if you've got the opportunity and you want to duck away for a weekend, don't go anywhere for the moment, but the South Coast, because because uh, frankly, they could do with it down here. It's a win-win, Je. They're not trying to sell you anything down here that you don't want to buy. The golf's good. The yeah. motels are good. You know. There's there's a very interesting issue here, right? That is that um, that the golf courses, if the golf courses haven't been damaged, it might well be consideration that towns are surrounded by golf courses, so that the golf courses act as um, firebreaks. I mean, one of the, the one of the issues that's been brought up here uh, many times is the fact that the Aboriginal practices of burning the bush, burning the undergrowth. What, what's called the load, the fire load, hasn't been undertaken as it should have been. But uh, but obviously the golf courses, um, the golf course managers and and their superintendents and their staff all all are maintaining the grass and keeping those areas um, so that they're actual natural fire breaks. So it might well be an argument that um, it could be sold to a lot of these places that have, that have got problems where the golf course rings the town I or the golf course. I love. I love and admire your love of the game deeply, J.E., but I'm afraid I feel like you're stretching 
and I'll just put this on the record. I don't want to argue with you about this. You and I have very different beliefs politically and about a lot of stuff, but the whole notion that hazard reduction and the lack of it and the reason for it being political has been debunked 100% by the very fire chiefs who've been out fighting these fires. Shane Fitzsimmons spent eight minutes on television the week before last explaining why hazard reduction and a lack of it had not been or had any impact on these fires. So whilst I appreciate that a lot of people believe that uh, and that it's easy to believe that... I yes. thought you were out there selling golf. You should be selling. You should, this is an hell of an idea well, that I. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I think the role that golf can legitimately play in this recovery, like no other endeavour can, and that is the truth about golf, Jay and golfers, as you and I both know. There are two sports in the world that people will travel to awkward corners of the globe to experience. One is surfing, and the other is golf. And the golf down here is worth travelling for. And I don't, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that done the right way and marketed in the right areas, you won't see a golf-led recovery. Golf's not going to save, you know, fix 100% of the problems, but golf could make a very strong contribution to the return of tourism to these areas because they've got facilities that are worth coming to play, regardless of fires or not. So, you know... Plus- Beautiful part of the world. I mean, well, it is. You know, this is what I mean. They're not selling anything we don't want to buy, Jay. It's it's not some sort of a guilt purchase. It's not like you've got to come down here and play a bunch of dud golf courses. The golf is fantastic. You'd pay to come here at any time of the year. We know the golf travel market is extremely competitive, and the South Coast is just one of multiple destinations in Australia and globally that are worth thinking about spending some money on. But under the current circumstances and what's beset these towns down here, uh, if you're thinking of going anywhere to play golf, for be it a short or an extended getaway, do us all a favour and put the South Coast at the top of the list for this year because uh, they really could do with it, not just the golf courses but all of the towns. I was in Eden uh, this morning, Jay, and Eden was Eden's still under watch and act. There are fires still very close to the town. It's a ghost town. It was confronting to drive down the street in Eden and the only people in Eden were fireys and army personnel. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's just doesn't. It, I've never seen it. You don't. You, you don't see the army in Australia. You, know, you go to overseas to other countries. You see military around the place. You don't see the army in Australia almost ever. And this no. is, that's all it was. Uh, all it was there. I went to the the fishermen's club, which which owns both the fishermen's club and the golf club. I went there to have a meeting with the general manager. There was nine vehicles in the car park, and they were all big yellow fire trucks from Queensland. I put it to him that under the circumstances, we might even give them the state of origin this year. And he said, look, let's not get too carried away. We're thankful, but let's not be silly. So, uh, yeah, it's, look, it's a, everybody's, you know, we know we get, um, we get fatigued by some of these tragedies, and that's understandable. I think we've all seen so much of it, and it's hard to process the info. But if you're a golfer, do, you, do us all a favour. Come down to the South Coast and play. And as I said, you can't go wrong. Uh, enough of all that, Jay. It's got nothing to do with betting. Let's get on to what's going to unfold this week amongst those who play a little better than me and probably a little better than you these days as well, those pursuing the game professionally. And we're going to start in the desert, the Dubai Desert Classic, the European Tour. Once again, this time of year, it sort of takes precedence over the PGA Tour, although they're probably almost level pegging this week given that Woods is coming back and there's some big names in the field in the States. But we'll start the Dubai anyway. And your two big winning bets that I'm particularly interested to hear you justify, James Morrison and Benjamin Polk. Both at a thousand dollars. What's your thinking there? Well, Benjamin Pug, I'll talk about him first. He he was he won the European Tour School, and uh, as you look at the U.S. 
players coming onto the tour. They've been enormously successful in their first year. Um, I can't see any reason why it won't be the same in in, uh, in Europe. And Pokes had a couple of reasonable uh, goes. He hasn't uh, he hasn't uh, lit the lit the, uh, the footlights up as yet, but I think he will. And so I'm uh, I'm persevering with him for that reason. And James Morrison, he has got a very similar performance to one we tipped last week, um, who played very well and made the top 20. In fact, I think he finished about 10th. Scotty Jamison, their performances are very similar. So I thought uh, Scotty Jamison shortened up dramatically. So I thought I'd give James Morrison a go at $1,000. Uh, as, as you know, always looking for value. Value, that's right, yeah. He's um, he, he, the other guys uh, got down to fifty to one. So, so he, also he's um, he's finished twenty third in his last start and fortieth the time before here. So he's he's um, he's experienced on the golf course. He's a very good player. I did tip him once before for the top twenty and he finished fifteenth. So I've got him back in there again. Yeah, uh, as we just discussed, it could be one swing on Wednesday afternoon on the driving range. Who knows what he might come out and do? They're all capable of it. Uh, the other bet for winning, and uh, but at much shorter odds, though, still value, I must say, is the extremely impressive left-handed Scotsman Robert McIntyre. Uh, you've got him in there at $55. This guy, he was a rookie last year on the European Tour and impressed doesn't even begin to describe, I think, what most analysts thought of his first season. Well, he could have won three events last year. He was very unlucky to be tipped out in one, and he finished second and third in two others as well. And so uh, Robert McIntyre's going to win. And of the leading 20 players, I thought he was the one that represented the greatest value at $50. Yeah. $55 might be $55. Yeah, coming off a hand injury, but I'm not sure that's such a, he's a young player. But I really like the cut of his jib. He's got the full package, I think, McIntyre. He had the courage to call out a veteran U.S. Tour pro at the U.S. Open for not calling four. Um, US Open, maybe the British Open, my mistake. Um, Kyle Stanley, uh, he carved one into the crowd and actually hit McIntyre's caddy's mother, I think it was, who was following the group. And McIntyre, as the pup in the group, normally would have just piped down, but he had his say and didn't back down when he was confronted about it after the round. I really like that about him. That's uh, And that's a good yeah. thing for a young bloke to have that sort of courage of his convictions. He's very likable, big unit, left-hander, lovely natural sort of a golf swing. Grew up playing shinty, I think they call it, in Scotland. Is that weird paddle game? Yeah. Smash the ball around it. It's similar to golf, trust me. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, no, I like that pick. I really like that pick a lot. He's, uh, he's going to yeah. win. He's a, he's a very he's talented. He got a lot of bottle, and as I say, could have won yeah. three events last year with yeah. just a modicum of luck. Didn't yeah. win any, but he did run two seconds in the third. Yeah, his time will come. Top twenty bets. Um, we know how popular these have been. Uh, you've got two in there this week. Chris Wood, who's about eight feet tall, and Callum Shinkwin, who I know has been a great contributor to your coffers in the past. After that uh, Scottish Open that you described, what unfolded there the year that he lost it in a playoff. Why Chris Wood? I think he's also coming back from injury, but he's a one of those players whose golf game is probably. It's a stupid thing to say. Looks better than his resume suggests. Well, he's had a. He, he was injured, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's missed two cuts since he's come back. But his performance on this course is phenomenal. 20, 10th, 20th, 30th, 23rd, 8th, and 19th. Wow. So what we put him in for the top 20? Yeah. In other words, he's only got to find his form. I, I've, I've, I've kept thinking he's a big chance to win as well, because he's huge odds to win, but... The, the logic suggests that he's going to 
put in a good performance that'll bring him into the bring him into back action, and then he'll win. That's that's my thinking. Yeah. Um, but you know, with that record on this golf course, obviously he knows the golf course. He understands the game of the golf, this type of golf, and and he's a wonderful player. And as I've often said, class is permanent, yep. form is temporary. So he will find his form again, and let's hope it's this week. Yeah. But it will be soon. Some players just you see this at the Masters actually. If you look through the Masters results over spans of a decade, or so, you tend to see the same names pop up. There really is a I don't know how scientific it is, but some players just seem to like particular. And I suppose as golfers, we all feel the same, don't we? We've got courses that we like. We probably do we like them because we play well, or we play well because we like them. You could probably argue about that, but it's a it's a very real phenomenon, isn't it? A course golfer gets to a course where he's comfortable and just plays well, regardless of form that's that, that might have been showing leading up to that. Well, certain courses suit certain types of players, and that's yeah. just that's the way they are. And uh, and this course obviously suits Chris Wood, so. That's that's a lot of my a lot of my planning for tipping goes into evaluating the players' forms on the course on the particular courses. Obviously, the current form forms part of it. But if I see a player who's been out of form come to a course where he's uh-huh. done very fast, I know that he's going to go onto that course, and that course is going to be a fillip to his yep. to his confidence. Yep. Could could well be the turning point to go to the next one. Now this is interesting, Je. A new betting category this week. Betfair, it seems, has introduced the top 40. Now, have they just introduced it or have you just decided to play it? Is it, is it a new thing? Because this is a really interesting idea. The first time they've done it, which I think yeah. is think I think what's happened is we've popularised not only our tipping service but others that have... Because there's quite a lot of tipping services now that have, that have come out and uh, because of the uh, advancement of gambling rules in America, there's a lot more interest in betting on golf and... and I think the success of the top 20 betting for Betfair has made them introduce the top 40. But from our perspective, I found some inordinate value in the top 40. In the last 10 weeks, our record of picking people who make the cut, which is the top 60, is absolutely unbelievable at the long odds we're tipping. So we're getting... Generally, between 70 and 80% of our players are making the top 60, and we're only finding that maybe 10 or 20% of them are getting into the top 20, which is enough to risk the break square or win. So I, I've had a good look at the top 40. The relative prices between the top 40 and the top 20 are interesting. If I see the price is not double, in other words, if the price for, say, the top 40 is is $5 and the top is $8 and I want to tip that guy because I think his value, I'll take the top 40. Mm-hmm. If I find that the top uh, the top 20 price is three times, like 15 rather than five, then I'll take the top 20 oh, because, okay. in other words, it's, it's a, just an arithmetical calculation of which way I go yep. um, because clearly once you're in the top 40, you're a chance to be in the top 20. It might yeah. only be two or three shots in it. Yeah, that's right. So, so I found that, that 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 only happened this week. So I've gone top. I've had a good look at it. People won't be doing it, and but Betfair have set the market. So I think I've got an advantage this week. Whether that'll continue, we'll we'll find out in the future. Mm-hmm. So you've picked for podcast Pete Stephen Gallagher and Kelly Samoja at four dollars and three dollars ninety respectively. Which again to finish in the top forty, you're right, Jay. That, that sounds like value. Well, Stephen Gallagher picked in particular a very well credentialed well, player. Well, more than that. His form here, 31st, 
tenth, second, first, first, third, missed cut, ninth, fifty-seven, sixty-seven. He's missed the cut once in his last ten starts of this course. He's won twice, finished second, finished third. Now, you might say, why not put him in the top ten? Well, I thought about that, except that the odds for the top 40 were so good that I took the top 40 odds because he only has to play up to his normal standard or within a bull's roar of it, and he'll mm-hmm. finish in the top 40. Yeah, even below it, in fact, based on the results you've just read out there, he would probably consider it a poor week to finish outside the top 20. Yeah, uh, exactly. But anyway, I've, uh, as I say, his, his odds were, I think, 5.3 or something like that for the top 40. And, but what you've got me now, you've got me outside in the dark. You got him at four dollars here for the top forty, so Okay. Okay, so four dollars. So there you go. That's 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 because I can't read. Yeah, Who was the other guy I put in there? Kelly Samoja at three dollars ninety. Yeah. Kelly Samoja's Kelly Samoja's a, uh, got a very consistent player. Now I'm gonna struggle to find him here because it's dark. But um Kelly Samoja's a very, very good player. Here he goes, here he goes. Uh, his last three starts, 17th, 10th, Miss Cut, and he finished 16th here last year in his only start. So, okay. again, a player is a comer. He's from Finland. He's playing very well. He's, he's improving. I think he's he's way under way under the odds there, uh, way over the odds there at uh, three dollars ninety five. So, so um, I'm I'm very pleased. With those. I've got a few other top forty tips that for, that uh, uh, Steve's getting. Uh, podcast Pete doesn't get them all, of course, and uh, but uh, subscriber Steve, he's got a, quite a few top forty tips, and uh, I think it'll be a luxurious trip. And I'll, I'm hoping that I'll be talking about big wins next week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I can see your subscriber Steve picks here, and let me tell you, podcast Pete, there is some interesting stuff in there. So uh, worth signing up. Let's cross the pond. Farmers Insurance open uh, west coast of um, of the US. This is we're heading into what they call the desert swing over there, where we see the sort of golf that I find quite confronting to look at bright green strips of grass through the desert and whatnot. That's not the case this week. Clifftop Golf at Torrey Pines, a public golf course near San Diego. It's been a very happy hunting ground for Tiger Woods over the years. Eight times or seven times, I think, a winner at this golf course, including eight times, including a year, that famous US Open when he beat uh, Rocco Mediat on a broken leg over 90 holes, if you don't mind. So he's got some form. There'll be an awful lot of people looking towards Tiger Woods for the win. You won't get any value about him just because the bookies can't avoid it. Uh, They can't afford for that to be the case. But you've got three here that have me intrigued. Hank Lebiota, who's a left-handed American, a good player. I like that at 980. Charlie Hoffman at 610. That is an outrage. He's a perennial first-round leader at Augusta National and a consistently good performer uh, on the US tour. But the one that I really want to hear your thoughts on, Jay, and this seems crazy to me, the young Australian Cam Davis won the Australian Open in 2017. Lots of people remember with a final round 64. $290. Now, this is a player that I expect this year, at this time next year, we'll be talking about the breakout Australian of 2020 having been Cam Davis, I think. Yeah, well, that's exactly my thoughts. Um, played well down in Aussie, but... Um, he's played well the last two or three weeks. I'm trying to find him. Uh, he's played well the last two or three weeks in the US. He went all right in Hawaii, if I recall. He was right thereabouts through 54 holes. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why, but anyway, he's playing well, and I, I'm with you. But here's the other thing is when I sent the tips out at 290, I'm not the only uh, uh, light in the room. Uh, he's shortened down to 200. Right. Now, his last four starts in the U.S., 66, 3rd, 9th, 29th. So he's 
and he's 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 made the cut both times he's played here before. So I think Cam Davis is a comer this year, and that's why I put him in. With respect to Charlie, Charlie Hoffman wants to win the Masters more than you and I. Yeah. And uh, has a better chance, frankly, J.E., you'd have to say. We would not be a value bet to win the Masters, you or I. He's been a big chance because I think he's finished in the top five twice. And as you say, led the Masters. But he works his way up into the Masters. Uh, He doesn't play a lot at the end of the year, at the end of the calendar year. Um, And he comes out and he works his way up. He played okay last week. And I just think he's going to be... I mean, he'd be $50 in this field the week before the Masters. So, huge odds, $600. I just thought that uh, that was way over. And the other third one was? Hank Lebioda, left-handed American. Hank Lebioda's a left-hander. I've watched him uh, in a lot of tournaments. He he turns up more often than he doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, I just think Hank Lebioda's a comer too. He looks like he's a good putter, and he's he's very consistent. So, I've, I've got Hank in there as well. And, and I, I found a few this week that I thought were well overs, but he finished 17th last week, Hank Libiata, and he finished 29th on this course last yeah. year. So, so, and he finished third five starts ago. So, so I just thought, can't believe the price. Yeah. That's, right. So that's why we got him. Just quickly on, on Charlie Hoffman and Cam Davis. Hoffman is just such a consistent ball striker. He's the archetypal American golfer. I don't think he'll ever turn up at an Open, and I'm not sure that he'd work out the vagaries of a Royal Melbourne particularly quickly necessarily, but uh, in his in his home country, in his comfort zone in America, he is, he's a, he is a solid bet week in and week out, a, a very, very polished uh, performer of that solid golf. But Cam Davis, and we've talked about this, I know this, and I always bring this up to you, Cam Davis is a winner. He wins, yeah. uh, and it's it, it's that it's that it's that I think which makes him such an appealing play. He's not afraid when he gets near the top. He's not afraid to keep pushing forward and get the job done, as they say. So that's what I particularly. He's got think. one other got one other advantage over almost every other player, but Mac O'Grady. If his ball, ball finishes against the fence on the left, he can go and turn his club <laughs> upside down. He'll hit it to about six feet. He's a genius left-handed as well. There's a YouTube so, video from a few years ago yeah. when he was an amateur, which uh, shows his left-handed swing, which is an absolute mirror image of his right. We think most of us would give our left leg for his left-handed swing. Uh, <laughs> he's for so, yeah. yeah, incredible talent. So, uh, and our top 20 bets. Yep. Remembering I'm in the dark here. Okay. So here's a name that you'll have heard already a bunch of times on this podcast, and you're going to hear a bunch of times more. Well, actually, you probably won't because you're going to stop being good value soon. Colin Morikawa, you and I have both sung this young man's praises, and rightfully so, I think. He keeps making uh, unbelievable. Like he's, this is, he's fifth, seventh, 21st, uh, second win. I mean, he's never he's never far away, no. and I mean they they put him up for the top twenty. I think he's two dollars eighty. Yeah, I just thought that was unbelievable. I mean, he, he's 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 two's on, but he's in the top top uh, yep. top twenty. Yeah, yep. so, barely so, out of school, but yeah, yeah, yeah good player. Very, he's the best. He's the best of them. Best of the young players, despite what they say about Matthew Wolf and uh, thing. I think Morikara has got the longest pedigree. I, I agree. He's got such a technically sound golf swing. Even the untrained eye would watch those two golf swings, and it's not hard to pick who's still going to be around in 25 years contending and winning golf tournaments versus who might be struggling to walk out of those. But just a beautifully polished, quintessential professional player, Colin Morikawa. He's got everything. He's got the length. He's got the control. He's got the 
the the he's got trajectory and exactly right. He holds putts and he holds them when they count. So I really like that pick, Colin Morikawa. He'll stop being value at some point soon, Je. But let's ride that wave until that happens. I'm actually, to be honest, with you, a bit surprised that uh, that he's still getting decent odds, as you say. As a bookie, you'd be I'd be reluctant to put him in at those numbers. Well, he's for the top you just drop back to 21st and they've dropped him out. It's ridiculous. That's yeah. why I put him in. Yep, indeed. And there's also top 40 bets on uh, on this one and one here for podcast, Pete. This is an interesting one, a name that people will remember. KJ Choi, $5.60. Uh, we don't hear a lot of KJ these days. I don't think he plays as much golf as he used to. One of the straightest hitters in the history of the game. They used to say that quite often you'd have to lean sideways to look around the ball and see the flag after KJ hit it. So straight did it fly. Uh, why KJ Choi, though? 21st in his last tour start and finished 15th, 29th, 9th, 2nd, 53rd, 2nd here on this course. Uh-huh. So, courses for courses. Uh, I, I haven't tipped him to win, but I've tipped him to run the top 40 because KJ's playing very well, obviously, to finish 21st last week. And uh, uh, he just needs a repeat of that performance and we'll get the loot. Yeah, absolutely. And fabulous sense of humour, just on it, by the way. They reckon he's one of the funniest men on the US tour, KJ Choi. Uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see a great deal of him at the President's Cup. I was looking forward to that. I was, uh, if I spoke, I asked him a question. Now, we missed the last bit of that. You were looking forward to talking to KJ Choi. And fill us in what you said after that. At the, at the President's Cup, but I, but I can't speak Korean, so I didn't know what to say. <laughs> His English is pretty good, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I should have tried. He, he was. He, he didn't get a word in at the press conferences, which no. was a shame. I, I recall some years ago a reporter asking him whether he followed the women's tour, the LPGA, because there were so many Korean players starting to, to turn up on that tour. This would have been 10 or 15 years ago. And he just deadpanned straight back to the guy. He said, oh, I can't keep up. There's too many Parks and Kims. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Speaking of the LPGA, uh, J.E., uh, very weak market again. Uh, it seems to get going a bit later in the season for the LPGA, so the market not terrific on Betfair. You put out some bets for subscribers, Steve. They've since come in, but I think that's testament to uh, your uh, picking of value bets. Other people are seeing the value. Sarah Kemp, who's shortened from a thousand dollars to six hundred dollars, and Maria Fassi. And you and I have both been very keen to see her career unfold since that performance at Augusta National last year as an amateur. Uh, I don't have the odds here of what she was and what she is now, but I think you, you've gotten in early and a couple of good picks there, it would look like. All the tools, as we've discussed before. Powerful, a long, accurate player, good putter, uh, dedicated, hard worker, technically sound golf swing, everything you need for a long and successful career. Uh, well, Jay, it's always great to catch up with you. It's, a, it's unusual circumstances for me, I must say. There's a bit, of a bit of a vibe about the place down here. It's not depressing. It's just a bit odd. I think people are in a bit of shock down here, but it's been good to come down and have a look and see everything down here firsthand. And I encourage people again to come down and have a hit, as I would encourage you once you've got your new hip. Not before, but after you get your new hip, you should come down to the south coast and recuperate down here with a bit of golf. But it's been great to catch up with you today, mate. Thanks for your time, as always. Thanks very much, Rod. And that's it for episode 26 of Risk and Reward. Let's hope there's some winners and good performers in amongst all of that lot. Make sure you uh, go to the Winning Edge Investments page and sign up for the golf uh, tipping service if you're that way inclined. Remember, you get the 25% discount. Use the code GOLF25. Three and 12 month subscribers get a profit guarantee. That's it for us this week. We'll see you again next week here on Risk and Reward. Risk and Reward.